0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 18th is John chapter 6. John's account of the feeding of the 5,000 gives us a little more insight and a little more detail into the conversations that took place between Jesus and his disciples. In verse 5, Jesus, seeing the large crowds that were coming to them, asks Philip, Where will we buy bread to feed all of these people? The next verse says he was asking this of Philip to test him. God tests us. Many times you will feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do a certain thing or to consider a certain thing, to make a commitment to a certain activity only to find out later he doesn't actually need you to follow through on that. He was testing your heart. In the same way God tested Abraham by saying, Sacrifice your son. Abraham was willing to do it. And so Abraham knew, and God knew, that Abraham was fully resigned and willing to do whatever God called you to do. When I was a very new believer... God asked me if I was willing to leave my children to go and be a missionary in Africa. It gave me great pause, ultimately, and thankfully, he didn't ask me to leave my children, but he wanted to know if I was willing to do it. God tests us in this way. People must have been getting hungry and looking around for something to eat, when Andrew finds a little boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish. The loaves of bread were probably like pieces of naan or some other flat bread, but what will five pieces of bread do for so many people? There are 5,000 men in this crowd, not to mention women and children. Jesus has the people sit down. They were in a grassy area, so it was comfortable to sit. Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, and he distributed it. He did the same with the fish, and everybody had as much as they wanted to eat. When everybody had had all that they wanted, baskets were passed around to collect the leftovers, and twelve baskets were filled. When the people saw the sign or signs that Jesus was performing, they began saying to themselves, Surely this is the prophet we've been waiting for. The people were so hungry for his leadership that they were going to come and take him and make him king by force. How do you force somebody to be a ruler over you? It doesn't seem logical, but Jesus knew what they were intending, and so he went off by himself to the mountain Hours go by, it's starting to get dark, and Jesus is still alone up on the mountain by himself, praying, mourning the loss of his cousin and good friend John the Baptist. And the disciples decide to leave without him. They get into the boat, start rowing across the sea, but the wind comes up against them and is impeding their progress. It is during this time, When they, while they are struggling and trying to get the boat across the sea, Jesus comes walking to them on top of the water. We know from the other gospel accounts that they thought Jesus was a ghost, and so they were afraid until he tells them who he is, and they take him into the boat. Verse 21 says, as soon as they took him in the boat, they reached the shore. Perhaps they never should have left without Jesus, and that's why The wind was opposed to them, preventing them from reaching their destination. But it's interesting, and it will preach, how as soon as Jesus was in the boat, they were instantly at their destination. It doesn't take long for people to notice that Jesus has arrived at the other side of the sea, and the crowds begin amassing once again. People begin asking him, when did you get here? They knew only one boat had left, and he hadn't been in it. People are genuinely curious, and they're paying attention to everything he does and everywhere he goes. He knows their true motives, though. These are the same people who were going to come and take him and make him king by force. And he says to them, you're looking for me, not because of the miraculous sign, but because of what it did for you. You're looking for me. Not because of who I am and what I represent, but you're looking for me because of the way I made you feel when your bellies were full. Don't work for food that perishes, but work for the food that leads to eternal life. In verse 28, what can we do, they ask, to perform the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he sent. The work of God is that you believe in the one he sent. Believing in Jesus is the work that God does in us, and it's the work God requires. Never mind that he had just done a huge miraculous sign by feeding 5,000 people with five pieces of bread. When he says this, they say, What sign are you going to do to show? that we can believe you. Our ancestors had manna in the wilderness. Again, Jesus going straight to the heart says, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread, it was my Father who is in heaven. And once again, going from the physical to the spiritual, the true bread from heaven has come down and gives life to the world. That's the bread we want, the people respond. Jesus says, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. I am the source of spiritual life. I am the way to spiritual life. Consume me if you want to live spiritually. I've told you this. You don't believe it. Even though you've seen me, you don't believe it. Everyone the Father gives to me will come to me, Jesus says. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. He's not talking about a physical fountain of youth. He's talking about spiritual eternal life in the age to come. All of those who believe in me, I will raise up on the last day. The people didn't like it when Jesus said he was the bread of life. They began grumbling about him, and Jesus told them, stop grumbling. Reminds me of how the Israelites grumbled in the desert. At first they were hungry. And they didn't ask for food. They complained about not having food. God gave them manna. After a while, they got tired of the manna. They didn't ask God for something else to eat. They grumbled and complained about only having manna. God gave them quail, and then they grumbled and complained about that. Let us be people who do not grumble and complain. God says, ask of him. Ask and it shall be given to you. You don't have because you don't ask. Just ask. Don't complain about not having. Ask. Jesus says, stop grumbling. And then he reiterates the point, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And to stress the point that he's talking about spiritual life, he says, I will raise him up on the last day. Everyone who comes to me spiritually, everyone who sees me, that word sees in verse 40 could also be translated behold, to gaze, to contemplate. comes from the same root word that we get, theater. To watch with intention, to study it, to take it all in and try to understand the point of it. The world will not behold Jesus, study him, and try to understand the point unless God does a work in their heart first. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father will come to me, Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert and they died. That first covenant was one of Physical nature. This new covenant in Jesus' blood is one of spiritual nature. The bread I am giving, Jesus says, is my flesh. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, Jesus says. And I wonder if he wasn't intentionally being so graphic so as to turn off the people who were following him for the wrong reasons the people who just wanted political freedom and full bellies. There are a lot of people in the church today who are there for the wrong reason, and they're kept around by positive and encouraging messages. Jesus was not seeker-friendly. He was actually dissuading people from following him. He was dissuading people from sharing about the miracles he had done for them. Every day we are reading, don't tell anyone what I've done for you. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood to be part of me. Even the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. And he says to them, do you want to leave too? The door's open. Peter says, where else will we go? You have the words of life. Jesus' response, haven't I chosen you, the 12? And one of you is a devil referring to Judas, whom he knew was going to betray him. Nothing surprises God, friends. And so we see the sovereignty of God playing out in these chapters, and we must not forget about the free will of mankind, because the two play together an important role. We all have a choice. We all invest our time to get to know him, or we don't. If you have a desire, if you're listening to this, count yourself extremely blessed. And if you don't, Jesus said, these words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. I'm speaking about spiritual truth and these words hold the keys to the mysteries of eternal life and it's available to all, but few actually want it. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you, my friends, those of you who want it. Let's thank him for his mercy, for revealing himself to us for God's glory, for his plan to come together. God bless you, my friends. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow.